Maybe I could be like an announcer, like a columnist. I don't believe what I just saw. You know how I always make those interesting comments during the game? Personally, I think we got holes on that call. Yeah, yeah, you make good comments. So what about that? You know, they tend to give those jobs to ex-ball players and people that are, you know, in broadcast. What about a talk show host? This is In the Booth. Talk show host, that's good. <laughs> I think I'd be good at that. I talk to people all the time. With Matt Park. Welcome In the Booth on a Friday. Weather lightening up, beautiful day, getting ready for a big homecoming weekend. Lots happening, certainly with the football game we've been talking about all week. The Orange in North Carolina tomorrow here in the Dome and a 12-20 start time. We'll get into the Carolina perspective here from Coach Babers as well on the course of the show today. Some of the uh, ideal sound bites from last night's Dino Babers show and then his North Carolina counterpart Larry Fedora will be our guest a bit later in the show this afternoon, you can join us by phone if you'd like at 315-437-7644-ESPN44. And, Paulie, you know, we often come in here with a song and a head, you know, just the first thing you heard in the morning or for one reason or another, something that's top of mind. And I know that you probably lost sleep last night thinking about all those uh, <laughs> REM and Green Day favorites. Bare Naked Ladies. There you got the Bare Naked Ladies. What a presentation that was at Press Room Pub last night. Starting literally the second the show ended, boom, right into the uh, hits of the 90s and today. Yeah, dude. Really just the 90s. <laughs> he he came out with Losing My Religion from REM, uh-huh. and, uh, when it, and it went from there to Soul Asylum we to the Bare Naked name, Ladies. Yeah. I knew that was right in your wheelhouse, all that tunage. It wasn't Oingo Boingo. That was his opener. Yep. What's he, the frequency, Kenneth? What he followed it up with Soul Asylum. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of quality uh, tunage there uh, last night. That we we try to get the night off to a good start at press room with uh, the Dino Babers show that brings in a nice crowd. Uh, Vincent Reynolds, the defensive tackle coach, was there. Good guy, and uh, he shared some of his insight. Oh yeah, this one. I thought he did a pretty good job. Yeah, he did. And you noted that he looked a bit like, basically with his hair more than anything else, he looked like one particular artist that was known from a different era. Yeah, Art. Art Garfunkel, I'll say. Art Garfunkel. He looked like Garfunkel. But I didn't hear one. I mean, I I could do that whole, the concert in Central Park, the (laughs) old friends, Bridge Over Troubled Water. He didn't play any of those. I knew every song he did, though. Yeah, that was He he was playing the hits. Yeah. And it was a, he came out hot, kind of like the Broncos last night. He, six, eight, ten songs in a row. Then I turn around, he's not there anymore. And uh, I think he did come back later. Maybe it was halftime of the football game or something. The Broncos, a blitzkrieg over the uh, hapless Cardinals last night. If you had to identify the NFL teams probably by 90s tunes, how would you go about doing that? Oh, Or bands. Last night's game was a... It was lopsided. And it was an orange crush. It was a runaway train. <laughs> from, from REM. Put me on the spot on that one. Yeah, I know. It's a tough one. Uh, Sean Hickey was in the house last night, former orange uh, offensive tackle and little time in the NFL. He's been uh, injured throughout uh, most of this season. has been on the Jacksonville IR, but uh, apparently is 
able to come off that here anytime I think now and is eligible to sign with any team. Uh, he's not uh, bound to the Jaguars. He's not actually on the Jaguars roster any longer, but they had to pay him for a certain period of time and hope that that could uh, work out for Sean Hickey. Good guy, native uh, Pittsburgher and a guy who played a lot of football at the tackle position for Syracuse. So you never know who you're going to run into at, at press room. Might have a NFL uh, player in your midst as we did last night. Thought Coach Babers was in a good mood talking about the game and his outlook and really trying to get a handle on this North Carolina team. We'll hear from Larry Fedora a bit later in the show about how they've been shuffling people in and out, various injuries, the quarterback situation, and their rotating suspensions. For Syracuse, actually one plus in the personnel department this week is the return of tight end Ravian Pierce, who's missed the last three games. He'd had three catches, two touchdowns in the first three games has uh, been on the shelf since due to injury and is available. I wouldn't expect him to be like in an every-down alignment in this game, but it looks like special situations and matchups are really what Babers has in mind. Well, first of all, I mean, Ravion is a a tight end that can do two things. He can can block, which is the number one job of a tight end, and he can also catch the football. And he moves better than what people believe he does. When he starts moving down the field vertically, he, he can really get up on you in a hurry, and he's not bad running the football once he gets the football. So uh, he, can, he has some matchup problems for uh, people on the football field, but where it really shows up is in the red zone. When the, the field gets tight and, it's, and uh, those DBs are playing a lot closer to those wide receivers, sometimes a matchup on a linebacker or a matchup on a, on a strong safety with the tight end is the best matchup you can have to change some of those field goals into touchdowns. We'll see what Pierce's role in this in this game, and I think red zone could be a key battleground of this one. Uh, clearly, everybody's talked about North Carolina's strength, which is running the football against Syracuse's weakness, stopping the run. Red zone's an issue, an area where Syracuse has been pretty strong. The Orange offensively are roughly 30th in the country in what they've been able to do, red zone offensive production. They get points virtually every time. That's because the place kicker, Andre Schmidt, has been so good. Syracuse's defensive red zone is seventh best in the country. On the season, teams have had 19 red zone opportunities and have scored just nine touchdowns. I'm sorry, 16. Nine out of 16. But uh, that's still been very good. And uh, turnover margin, obviously, is something that's uh, very important for the Orange. They have a couple of red zone takeaways on the season. North Carolina has struggled in red zone production, uh, currently 102nd in America in what they've been able to do once they get to the red zone. 19 trips in. They've scored 15 times, but only 8 of the 19 times have been touchdowns. Look for them to continue to pound their tailback, Michael Carter, as well as uh, Antonio Williams, uh, their two lead backs. Those guys have had good numbers on the year. They're averaging 8.5 and 6 yards per rush uh, repeatedly throughout the year, and that's no joke. So... Carolina has run for big yardage the last uh, two games. Now, they got blasted two games ago by Miami. The last one, they probably should have beaten Virginia Tech at home and did not. If you'd like to join us by phone, you can do that at 437-7644, ESPN44. If you'd like to chime in on what you think might be a turning point of this game or any other reaction and thought you may have going into it, we'll hear from uh, Coach Babers and some of uh, the things he's identified as key talking points for this week's game, maybe touch on baseball as we roll along as well. Do we care 
ahead, too. You're listening to In the Booth. It's brought to you by Bugs Be Gone. When we come back, the seventh-year head coach of North Carolina football, Larry Fedora. We'll hear from him when we return on ESPN Radio. Bittersweet Symphony. You know, we never got the name of the gentleman playing at uh, Press Room Pub last night, but Polly remembers the whole set like the, like those <laughs> Billy Joel fans do, or the Dave Matthews. What did he play? What did he play? Right? Like all these the very popular bands. There's some sort of Twitter feed or online you can find out exactly the what their set was. <laughs> Zach Brown band. Did he uh, did he do my favorites? So you pretty much had it. You could recite the whole thing, huh? Yeah, I was pumped. I hope he plays after every baby show. There you go. Maybe he will. Maybe we won't be so snarky the next time. He's like, what's the exact second you're going to end the show? I'm like, it's a radio show. It's going to end at 8 o'clock. You'll know. And then, sure enough, as soon as that uh, radio show signed off, he started wailing. Lose, started losing his religion at 8 o'clock. <laughs> Immediately. <laughs> press room bub. So uh, all good things happening at uh, press room. They got a lot going on there. They're creative uh, folks. I presume that there is another one of those uh, pregame buffets tomorrow with another noon start. It's a third straight noon game. The previous two have been on the road. Don't know about the NC State uh, start time yet. We'll know that uh, either late tomorrow night or early on Sunday. All right, Larry Fedora is the head coach of Carolina. It's his seventh season. He's a lot to deal with this year. They have these rolling suspensions and still a couple guys that have to serve suspensions. We think they might be without both of their starting defensive ends in this game. Malik Carney, who has five and a half sacks in just three games. He's been very productive. And Taman Fox, who is the other defensive end. He's played four games so far, still has two more that he owes uh, to suspension. He was the one ticketed to miss this game all along. The only reason he's probably out, the only reason I would have any question about it is because they had – their game against uh, Central Florida canceled due to the hurricane. Their suspension schedule may have been pushed back a little bit, number one. Number two, they also have had some flexibility in these suspensions. The NCAA has helped them out because they've been thin on numbers due to various injuries, and they've been able to appeal and say, hey, can we uh, reassess this? So that's part of what's going on. Their quarterback situation is a bit of a mess. They used a true freshman, Cade Fortin, that they were – Excited about, started him last week in place of the junior, Nathan Elliott, who had been okay, and Fortin got hurt in the game. He will miss the Syracuse game. It sounds like it could be as significant as a season-ending injury for Fortin. We'll pass along more details on that as uh, they become available to us, but it looks like it'll be Nathan Elliott and then Jace Reuter, who's a freshman. Where we got started with Larry Fedora was, this is where coaches earn their money, right? They had the lead by five and the ball late in the game against Virginia Tech on television. They're talking about, well, maybe Carolina should take a safety here to give up the points, yes, but flip the field, and that probably actually would have put them in better position to uh, seal the deal in a they had a long down-and-distance situation. But then, lo and behold, they break out of that 80-yard connection from the uh, quarterback, Nathan Elliott, to the tight end, Carl Tucker, and they're in great shape. But Michael Carter, their sophomore running back that had had a tremendous game against Virginia Tech, he went for 165 yards total. 
he fumbles going in for the game winning, the game ceiling touchdown. They already had the lead. This would have put it away in the last uh, couple of minutes. He fumbles. Virginia Tech goes the entire length of the field. They were trailing by just five. They got the ball back. They go the length of the field. They score and win. And uh, Virginia Tech beats Carolina, despite Carolina outgaining uh, the Hokies by a lot. Total yardage in that game for North Carolina was 522 yards to just 375 for Virginia Tech. Carolina ran for 235 against 154 for Tech. So Carolina played pretty well. They just came up short, and it's about missed opportunities. And that's where Larry Fedora, the coach of the Tar Heels, spent a lot of his time this week. Uh, we spent a lot of times on the on the a lot of time on the details. I mean, uh, there were there were a lot of missed opportunities for us this past week that we could have really put that game away pretty easily and uh, didn't take advantage of those. And so we spent a lot of time uh, making sure that we were working on the details. Is that what the red zone is, Coach? Because all the things that could go wrong there can really cost you in that part of the field. Yeah, I mean, that's the game of football. The game of football, whether it's red zone or coming out or wherever it is, you have those critical situations in a game where every detail gets magnified. How did you deal with uh, your outstanding sophomore? you got a lot of young players, and they're contributing. Sophomore running back Michael Carter has a career day. He goes for... Uh, 168 yards. He's the conference's running back of the week, but he did put it on the ground in a tough spot. Yeah, well, you uh, you know, just like every week, we're pointing out all the great things that uh, our guys do, and we also point out the mistakes they make so that they can learn from the mistakes and everybody can learn from them so that we can get better. I saw your postgame comments on the freshman uh, quarterback, Cade Fortin. You're working him in a little bit, and uh, you like the decision. He didn't look like a freshman, it sounds like. he. You like the decisions he made. What's the status at that spot where Elliott has started every game, but obviously you've used uh, three people? Yeah, we're still uh, we're still working on those guys. They're competing every day, and uh, you know we usually make a decision on Thursday with who we're going to go with in the game. But, uh, yeah, I was really pleased with the way Cade played uh, you know, during the game. Coach, you're going to win a lot of games when you run for 235 yards. What right now is contributing to your success running the football, and how much of a focus is that for you? Well, I think our offensive line is, uh, you know, coming together. I think they're doing a nice job of hatting people up. We've got really good running backs. If you watch our guys on the perimeter block extremely hard, they take a lot of pride in being physical out there. And uh, when you put all those pieces together, you, you have a chance to be successful running the football. And if I'm not mistaken, you don't have a senior offensive lineman nor a senior running back, right? So you're you're trying to do a lot of this with uh, some young folks, and I think it's well chronicled the uh, injury plague season that you had a year ago. I don't think we have a senior on the offense, so you know, at any position. So I think we're uh, yeah we're, we do have some young guys, and uh, they're getting a lot of good experience, and we just gotta we gotta make the plays, the ordinary plays that uh, are presented to us in a game. Defensively, I know the line uh, leads the way in a lot of respects there. What for you is is working well on that side of the ball and and obviously being able to overcome what have been some uh, offensive shortcomings in some cases? Yeah, first of all, the 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 defense. You know, there have been numerous games that we put them in uh, really bad positions with the uh, turnovers. So, 
you know, uh, our defense has uh, responded pretty well. Uh, you know, our defensive front is is probably the strength of our, our team, and, and uh, those guys did a great job the other night of getting uh, pressure with just four, four sacks, probably missed uh, two or three more. But uh, those guys up front did a really nice job against the pass and the run. Carolina coach Larry Fedora, our guest for another minute or so, to his point about turnovers, uh, the heels are minus eight on the season. Syracuse happens to be plus eight on the season, and that uh, spells a lot of the fortunes for every team in football. Coach, when you put on the Syracuse tape, what do you see, and, and how used to you are you playing You know, teams with that kind of pace? Well, I, I would say, um, uh, you know, first of all, we are a multi-tempo team, so we practice and uh, we do those things quite a bit. But, you know, I, to who we've played to this point, there's no doubt that Syracuse tempo will be the, the fastest tempo we've played against. You've had this unusual season, obviously, losing a game uh, due to weather concerns and, and that type of thing. Where are you here overall? You, you, you're one and four, obviously, but some close calls and, and, and quite a – bit of the season ahead still half a bit left to go and your, your goal still can be there yeah our team is uh we're, we're very close that's the thing we're, we've uh you know we just haven't capitalized on some things and we've made too many mistakes to win some close games but we're very close to being a really good football team and so if we can put those things together take care of the football and play hard and play physical you know we can still reach everything that we want to do two more quick ones coach the Syracuse personnel there whether it's uh, the quarterback, Eric Dungy, who himself is trying to bounce back off a, an uneven performance, the, the defensive line. Anything that sticks out for you? Uh, you know, based, It's odd to think this is a league game, but uh, really not a lot of familiar faces here. Yeah, I mean, it all starts with that quarterback. I mean, he's uh, tough, gritty. Uh, you can tell he's a leader. He plays hard. Uh, you know, you just you know that guys want to play around him and for him. You can just see it. Uh, I'm very impressed with the defensive front. You know, those guys uh, seem to get pressure with three or four, whatever they do, however many, they, they, uh, they do a great job of it. And so, you know, I, I think uh, Dino's got them playing really well. And last thing, when these teams did have a series back in the late 90s and early 2000s, they were great games with a lot of good players, pro players on the f- field. Donovan McNabb against Dre Bly, for instance. Uh, Chris Keldorf was the, the quarterback back then that uh, – when they'd come into the dome and Mac Brown, those were a couple of his big wins. What have you done in terms of preparing for playing in this environment, if anything? Well, I've done a lot of research on the dome and what it's like to play there. I've never been in there. Uh, you know, never played a, a Dino Bavers team, but uh, no, they're going to be very well coached. Uh, they're going to be a high tempo team defensively. Uh, they're playing extremely hard special teams or they, they've got a, a really special unit uh, when they're out there, uh, they got great return men, and, and they play hard on the uh, coverage team. So we know uh, as a team we're going to have to eliminate our mistakes, and we're going to have to play at a very high level. Good stuff. Uh, coach, thanks for your time as always. Wish you the best. Safe travels. Okay, thank you. Larry Fedora, the head coach of the University of North Carolina. He's the mo- uh, For people who follow these things, he's the most buff coach in the, uh, the ACC. The that was asking Babers, right? I think it was, yeah. If, if uh, that, if he was, yeah. If Babers was, that was actually the only reason it's on the top of my mind is uh, some fans had mentioned about Coach Babers last night. Man, I didn't know how big he was, but Coach Babers had made a comment, I think, off the air at some point this week about Larry Fedora. He is he's a good looking man, and if you look out there, he's got the. Uh, I think he has, you know, had the, has the top the uh, shirtless picture 
that if I look like that with my shirt off, I'd send it around a lot too, but that, that's what he's done. Someone called in and asked Coach Babers if Babers was the buffest coach I think you're right, in early the year. this season, yeah. yeah. And, and how he worked then out. Then it got into a debate of... That he yeah, that's might... not really something I tend to uh, spend a lot of time worrying about or, or talking I'll about. I'll do some research. Uh, please do, yeah. Um, <laughs> on your own time. <laughs> what I'd like to know is that when somebody researches playing in the Dome, what it, who do they talk to, what questions do they ask, and what answers do they get? Do you think he called Mac Brown? Mac Brown's one in the Dome. It's changed quite a bit uh, since then. Only in color the and turf stuff. turf is different. Turf is different. Size of the crowds are different. A little bit. Who do you think he called? I should have asked that. We didn't have the extra minute or two there with uh, with Coach Fedora. It'd be interesting to know uh, just what they get. I think so much of the Dome, from like a visiting team perspective, so much of it is great like because of how convenient it is. In so many ways, it's an exceptionally small football stadium. It's compact. You've been all these places on the road, Polly. Think about how far some of the locker rooms yeah. are from the playing field and <laughs> whatever. It's not like that at the Dome at all. You, you step out of the locker room, and you are right there on the field and ready to go. I don't know if it's changed, but the last time we were at Lane Stadium in Virginia, it's a it's a half mile walk to the Amazing. locker rooms. The trip in uh, for the visiting team in basketball at Georgia Tech is like a literally it's a ten minute walk. In yes, fact, it's such upstairs. a right. It's such a long walk that they have a separate locker room for you to use just at halftime because there's no way you could get your team all the way back to this locker room. And return in time for the start of the second half. And that's a basketball example, but it's frequently like that, or more frequently in, in some of these uh, football the, arrangements. The old Louisville uh, stadium would turn into yeah. a spinal tap scene when they couldn't find the stage. Like You'd leave the locker room, and you'd have to walk out and try and search for the court. You're upstairs, you go down, Freedom three, Hall. Go down three flights of stairs. Yeah, I would think... Uh, there's certainly a, there's a, a lot of a home field advantage that we've talked about, but for the logistical aspect of it, and I'm certain that uh, North Carolina is going to come up and do a walkthrough in the Dome and all of that, they'll find it to their liking uh, in, in a lot of respects. It's very convenient. But the fans are on top of you, and some of those other things that uh, work in Syracuse's favor, that's what Larry Fedora, I would imagine, is asking about. He doesn't have to worry about the troughs, like the, the restrooms. Another thing about Syracuse... Easy to get to the dome from wherever you're, te- well, wherever you and, stay. Yes, and I think in the entire ACC, it's the fastest to the airport. Oh yeah, gotta be, gotta be. Clemson's got to be the worst, right? Oh my gosh, because there's no hotels in Clemson. No, not that football teams can stay. You gotta stay. No, I, I. Every trip we go on the road, I think when people are in Syracuse and they leave, they roll out of the dome and they're right there on 81, and the airport's just 10 miles straight ahead or less. They must think, man, we're stealing here. This is the easiest because virtually everywhere we go on the road, it feels like it's forever to uh, get to the airport. You're stuck on these buses and stuff. Nobody really cares about those uh, first world problems. The struggle is real, man. The struggle is real, but it does show that there are uh, some upshots and uh, convenience that might go unnoticed uh, or taken for granted here. Get another tune? You got, you're really rocking it out with this guy's playlist. We should have got his name if we were going to make this. this much of it. I'm just playing 90s music now just Kind of a 90s day. Last time Syracuse played North Oasis. Yeah. Last time we played North Carolina was in was it in the 90s? No, it was no. I played in 02 and 03, but the first time was uh, 95, 96. Good. Yeah. That's my. That's my. Uh, a series where the road team has won all four of the previous games. Siri thinks I'm talking to her because I just said series. 
I'm not talking to you, Siri, you egotistical, high-maintenance. Never mind. You do your thing over there, Siri. But uh, the road team has won all four of the previous games, so that is a streak which we're looking to end. This Saturday on homecoming, 1220 start at the Dome. Saturday, we will see you there. Back to here with uh, some of Coach Baber's comments on uh, the game and some of the other aspects uh, surrounding the program. We'll do Do We Care with Tommy in just a bit. This is ESPN Radio Syracuse. care interesting i doubt it no wait the other thing tedious but we will do this segment anyway don't care anymore don't care no more lsu will be wearing helmets this weekend in the game against mississippi state that will change from purple to gold depending on how the stadium lights hit them that's cool it, uh they do things like that at lsu they got a lot of money and time on their hands to uh, come up with Things like this. I always thought the, their uniform, or I'm sorry, their uh, helmet in particular was underwhelming. Their go-to helmet is the white with the kind of hard-to-decipher uh, Tiger logo and the block lettering LSU over the top. It's uh, really a subpar helmet given uh, their uh, program history, the rest of the uniform, a lot of the other things they've got uh, going on for them. And uh, this is kind of cool. I understand Mississippi State doesn't wear purple or gold, but if you were calling the game, would it bother you that their helmets kept changing colors? I don't think it's. I mean, I'd have to see it. I don't think that's going to uh, actually work that way. No, I mean the lights are going to hit it where it's going to look gold, even though they're purple. Purple helmets. Yeah, I think it's not like they're electronically lighting up. I just think it's going to be they're going to look slightly different based on your perspective and the the stadium lights. I don't think that's going to be that big a deal. It's like going to be those old baseball cards that when you walk by. <laughs> right. They, the, uh, the uh, what were the flicks they were yeah. called? The, uh, Flick, flips, whatever. Yeah. Um, I don't get this whole thing. Like, am I going to watch the game and be freaking out because all the helmets are going to be popping up? No, that's colors? what I'm saying. I don't think it's like that. I, I, I just thought it was a purple helmet. The, the thing that I saw online, I didn't realize it had quite this... Uh, level of uh, shtick to it what I'm saying is I think that's probably overblown there's a lot of things that look slightly different based on the the way the um, the light hits them so so we shall see but I, I think you're not really going to notice it that much is what I'm saying when you're there in person or uh, nothing to concern ourselves with is what I'm getting at okay I want it to be like I want it to be like Christmas lights like I want their helmets to yeah. light different colors Actually, light up. That would be fun. That would be cool. I thought you were going to say based on crowd reaction or something like that would or be kind of cool, or you, winning or losing, or you know. mood helmets. If yeah, you broke right. wide open and you could, you're trying <laughs> right. to get the, the quarterback's attention. Said, your yeah, helmet yeah, yeah. Hey, here I am. Um, yeah, I mean, people are going to do little innovations like this. This is what happens. It's all part of all this stuff we're talking about. It all interconnected. The whole idea of the G League and the one hundred twenty-five thousand dollars and this big pile of money that everybody's dealing with some people have more of it than others lsu has a lot of money and they do things like this just to be different and cool and unique other places don't operate like that and this is what they do more more power to them it's their thing lebron made his debut with the lakers last night and they lost uh to the, to the trailblazers one- I, I, one second. I was gonna say one thing more about helmets this is a point of fact that people probably don't know this this whole idea of multiple helmets for the sake of impressing people because you have a number of helmets and look how many different uniform combinations we do, which is kind of the trend in, in college sports. That means you've got to break in all these different helmets for the people. 
if you notice, the NFL has gotten away from that on the CBA because every NFL team has one helmet. It might look different a couple of times when they have their throwback game. It's just because they've changed the decals on it. It's actually that same Bears helmet when they're a throwback. They just don't put the, the stickers on it. That's because NFL players get one helmet that they are you know, fitted to for the entire year. The idea is that you, know, you don't want to have somebody get a concussion because their helmet wasn't broken in yet. Sure. Uh, LeBron made Good his talk. Deb- <laughs> I, I mean, I had nothing for Good. that. LeBron made his debut with the Lakers, losing to the, the Blazers 128-119. <laughs> he has now lost all four of his debuts with new teams. But in the game, uh, not going to the Hall of Fame now. Yeah, right. <laughs> he stinks. Uh, in the game, LeBron had a fast break dunk in the first quarter that was used as a highlight to send the break. And Chris Webber, I thought, had a really cool call of this where he timed it perfectly on the dunk. Oh, I told you to do this during the, the break. Yeah, Paul. I thought we mixed it. Well, no, I. Well, go ahead. Referencing a Jay Z song. For LeBron. Thought it was very cool. Guess How I'm, old are you, Tommy? I am 22. Guess I'm not old enough to get that one. I'm over here listening to No, I to get Soul it. Asylum. I mean, I'm aware of the, of the lyric, and I'm aware that that... I just think something like that happens every night in the NBA on every broadcast. So, like, someone my age would have been... Braun. LeBron. <laughs> right. like James. James. Need the one LeBron syllable. James. There you go. Ah, just trying to make it relevant to... And then their home openers coming up against the Rockets. Am I right? Yes, this weekend. Okay. Uh, Rihanna. Reported- if I had a million dollars. Sorry. Rihanna turned down. What about down- your dude last night? What song would he have played? Like losing my LeBron. Right? <laughs> Going out to commercial. Not exactly. A, Here comes a, a runaway a- train. <laughs> choo choo. The gin blossoms. There you go. Rihanna turned right. down the Super Bowl halftime show in support of reportedly in support of Colin Kaepernick. That's interesting. I think everybody reacts all the time when these uh, Hall of Fame or the I'm sorry the uh, Super Bowl halftimes are announced. And I remember this time Maroon Five is just kind of too safe and plain for a lot of people. So, well, oh, it's in Atlanta. Why didn't you get you know some hardcore Atlanta rapper? Well, why do you think they didn't get a hardcore Atlanta rapper? Uh, you know who else is from Atlanta? R.E.M. There you yes. go, right. They're, they're a University of Georgia band. I think they're an Athens, Georgia band. R.E.M. Yeah. Not not Atlanta. You know but anyway, uh, yeah, Rihanna, I think people like uh, her music and dancing and all that good stuff. She would have been fine, too. The, my whole feeling is if you're going to turn down and support a Kaepernick, why are we just hearing about this now? Like, you think she would have made more of a statement. That's the whole point of the Kaepernick movement, isn't it? You'd think so. Cool. All right. (laughs) Good talk there, Tommy. Good stuff. Okay, back with uh, Coach Babers and more. Your phone calls welcome at 437-7644. Is there a song from your era that you could use to describe a LeBron James dunk? And what 90s song would you like to hear Polly play? We'll take requests. Would it be all right if I could just dunk here tonight? This is In the Booth with Matt Park. Definitely a football team where the record doesn't indicate what they're capable of doing. They have a lot of athletes. They have a lot of guys that we went after and we couldn't beat them on as far as recruiting goes. So it's a very, very talented team. And uh, Larry Fedora does a very fine job. And, uh, you know, it's going to be another battle in the Dome. 
going into Saturday's matchup with Carolina. Again, a 12-20 start time tomorrow. And that's what coaches do, even when they're favored. Obviously, they're going to uh, pump up the other team and show you how uh, scared that they are and that you should be. But I think when you look at it, there's real reason for Dino Babers to have some concern. What's well, his job, obviously, to be concerned in every aspect about these games going in. This Carolina team has not had a very good season so far, but they're a couple games away from having a much different looking record. They're one and four. The first game at Cal, they you know make a cross country trip and lose twenty four seventeen in a game where their quarterback threw four interceptions. You throw four interceptions and keep it to within a touchdown, you were doing something right. Then this last game, they probably should have beaten Virginia Tech, and they slipped that one up at home. They just didn't show up at East Carolina. That one's a total head-scratcher. They got blasted at Miami, and they did beat a Pittsburgh team that beat Syracuse. So that's where when Coach Babers is saying, look, they've got talented players, he also knows that North Carolina's strength matches the Orange's weakness, and that's the run game. We've talked about it all week. Carolina's uh, run the ball very well. Their top running back is an explosive speed guy. He's only 5'9", but can really run. That's Michael Carter. Antonio Williams is a little bit more of a run-over-you guy. Carter's listed at 5'9", 195. Williams, considerably bigger, but not huge. He's 5'11", 210. Should point out, by the way, that Syracuse has a running back from North Carolina named Mo Neal. A little extra added uh uh, motivation in this game for Mo. He was not recruited by North Carolina. Uh, the other schools were on him a bit, but uh, not the Tar Heels. So a chance for him maybe to perform and show his home state's flagship school. As it comes to stopping the run, it was a big part of our discussion last night with Coach Babers out at the Press Room Pub on his uh, regular weekly radio show. And He's been pretty consistent about the way he's phrased it. You know, we all can talk about the linebackers aren't big enough, experienced enough, talented enough, et cetera. But if you notice, a lot of them, they are making tackles. It's just a matter of can they make the tackles soon enough? It's one thing to get credit for tackling a guy, but if he falls forward for a couple yards or if he drags you for any, then uh, you're not doing quite the job that you could. It's going to be a team effort to get the ball carrier down. Liam, thank you. I think the biggest thing is we need to tackle. You know, uh, a lot of the times in the last two games, you know, getting the tackles we were making in the first three quarters, we weren't making the tackle in the fourth quarter. You can call it fatigue. You can say we're tired. You can say there's a lot of things you can say, but the bottom line is we have to get we have to get the ball carrier down. We've got we've had people in position in uh, both of the losses that we've had, and we just haven't grabbed cloth and and found a way to to grit that guy to the ground or. And, in, and one of my issues is, or hold on long enough for the rest of the cavalry to come. You know, there's, there's a certain way to me that you miss a tackle. And I think we need to do a better job of not only tackling, but when, you, when you're not successful, you, you do it in such a way that you give everybody else an opportunity to clean up the mess, so to speak, by getting there and being able to make the tackle. I think that's an interesting distinction there, at least be in the right position. It looks like the defenses have been called for the most part well enough that there's the right person there. It's a matchup, uh, matter then of that uh, person getting the job done and bringing the run to a stop. And what he's saying is better gang tackling and missing in the right way. I thought that was uh, 
an interesting concept to point out. At any rate, it's a big one, and I, I think people, you know, this is where you look to see if the team gets a uh, homecoming boost and the type of home field advantage. There hasn't been a home game in four weeks where everything lines up right to uh, have this one play out the way we think it might, and it could on paper, and that would be uh, a convincing Syracuse win. If you get that one, now you're 5-2 and two, uh, just into the second half of your season, and we'll keep an eye on North Carolina State, who plays uh, Clemson this week in the biggest game of the year in the ACC, Pauly Clemson and uh, NC State in Death Valley. I would not have picked that prior to the season to be the no, biggest game. No, we didn't know that Florida State was going to struggle. Virginia Tech's not really had... That good a year. And NC State helped. Now, they may have beaten West Virginia, but they've been helped by the fact that they didn't have to play West Virginia, a game that was uh, put off uh, due to the the hurricane. So they've played one fewer game. But NC State's legitimately good, and they'll be here in the Carrier Dome next Saturday. Baseball, Red Sox, uh, more power to them. I think you have to tip your cap to a team that can go on the road and beat a team as good as Houston three times in a row. David Price, the man to uh, come through yesterday. So uh, that series is over, and the Red Sox will await the winner of the Dodgers and Brewers. Gambrel fires. Swing and a fly ball. Left field. Benintendi back. Back some more. Near the wall. Reaches out. And he's got it. And it is over. The Boston Red Sox have won the pennant. John Chambi on the uh, call of ESPN Radio. You can hear the World Series, of course, right here on uh, ESPN Radio in Syracuse. The game tonight, the... Uh, uh, National League Championship Series. Currently, Dodgers lead that set three games to two as they go back to Milwaukee. Dan Shulman and Chris Singleton on the call. They'll start that game on uh, ESPN 1200 AM. Joined in progress here with the crunch and high school football and all that good stuff going on. Yeah, we'll join it in progress after after both 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 games. My Bears, uh, we were teasing that game, the Bears and the Lakers and high school football. Chit, Kaz, Kaz won big. Kaz was good. Bears make the playoffs? I don't know. I think everybody makes the playoffs, don't they? I don't think so. No, I don't, not everybody. But Right now, <laughs> Seth's promos are pretty much all I know about high school football. <laughs> <laughs> so keep me updated there, Seth. Are the Bears in the playoffs? I don't know. Most years I would typically say no. But last I heard, I thought their record was 4-2, and two, so maybe they went like 4-3. and three. Field goal kick? How'd that all shake out, Paulie? We're going to see that... Uh, Tomorrow in the Dome, and is our man going to come through for the $1,000 prize or no? Uh, yeah, we got a guy uh, going to be kicking. I believe his name is Rob. Rob? Be, Rob Long? He'll be kicking. No, not that good. Last but, year we had Rob Long coach the guy up. Coming up at 4 today, Matt. Join Brett Axe this Friday at the Press Room Pub. That would be today. 4 to 6 as he takes on the block, on the road, the Press Room Pub, the number one sports and entertainment venue in Central New York. On the block, on the road. On the air, on the road. It's everywhere. Press room pub, get the chili. That's Really? Uh, Good chili's chili? been go-to. I've gotten it every time uh, we've been in there. Killer uh, wings, the, This too. past month. You like the wings. I wings know, are really I know good. you're big on Coach the wings. Coach Babers gets them. And, yeah, and you guys both get wings to go, which is uh, kind of a risky play. I'm glad it's worked out for you. I get them crispy, so they're crispy when I get home. Okay, it's good. Good tip. Move. That's a pro tip. All right, we're back here on Monday. We'll rehash the Carolina game, look ahead to NC State. Baseball ought to be sorted out by then as well. All good stuff. Have a great weekend, everybody. Good to have you back if you're an Orange alum for Orange Central and Homecoming.